We are on Yavamos Ein Ches Amabeis 78b, and we are beginning the discussion of the Givonim and the Nesinim, and why it was that they were not allowed to marry into the Jewish people even after they converted. The story really begins with Yehoshua. Joshua is conquering the land of Israel, and when they go to conquer the land of Israel, they are they are telling the people that are currently living there, the people that are living there are Canaanim. They're people from the land of Canaan, the name of Israel at the time, and they were very corrupt and immoral people. And they were told either leave, because the Jews are taking over, stay and accept God as the, as the Hashem as the God, or fight. And if you fight, so then we have an obligation to, uh, to defend ourselves and to, um, and to win, and to kill you and to win. Those were the options. The Givonim, and the Jewish people did that. They went in and they destroyed and they conquered lands. The Givonim were a group of people in the land of Canaan who were afraid. Uh, but they chose to do none of these. And they chose instead to trick the Jewish people. They came to the Jewish people and they said, We are not from the land of Canaan. They wore old clothing, had old food, stale food with them. We've traveled here. And we want to convert. We want to be with you. But they tricked the Jewish people to, into thinking that they were not from the corrupt people of Canaan, they go through a conversion, but uh, out of trickery. And afterwards, Yoshua finds out that they really did live in the land of Canaan. And Yoshua said that uh, as a result, they have to be the servants and the slaves, really for the Jewish people and really for the Kohanim. For the Kohanim, they would be the ones who would be involved in all the prep work that is necessary when it comes to the Mishkan and the Beis Amigdash, the Mishkan at the time, the tabernacle at the time, and also in the future in the Beis Amigdash, in the temple. Uh, we will see that they also made a decree that they should not marry into the Kahal Hashem. Uh, so that was, uh, the Gemara will discuss this, when exactly did this t- take place? Did it take place in the times of Yeshua, of Joshua, in the t- in times of David, of King David? But there's a whole story behind it. And so now the Gemara gets into this fascinating story. So says the Gemara as follows. Amar Rechana Barada. Rechana Barada says, Nesinim David Gazarlim. David, King David, made the decree on these people, the Givonim and the Nesinim. It's the same people, different names that are given to them. He made a decree. What exactly was the decree? Is a dispute whether it's just a decree that they should be slaves, they should continue being slaves, or whether it's that they're not allowed to marry into uh, the Jewish people. There's a discussion whether everybody everybody agrees that they're not allowed to marry into the Kalashem into the congregation of Hashem, the question is if that's a biblical prohibition or if that was a decree that uh, David, King David, instituted. How do we know this? The king, David, he said to the Givonim, the, the Givonim are not part of the children of Israel. They're not part of the children of Israel and they're not allowed to be part of the Jewish people. My time at Gazarlai, what was the reason? What happened? What's the background to this story? Why David, King David, who was not involved in this. This is many years later. This happened with Yoshua, with Joshua. What happened so many years later with David Amalek, with King David? Why did he make this decree? Dechzev. So here's the background. It says, There were three years of famine during the days of David, King David. During the first year, when something happens, when something bad happens, our response is not, why did it happen? Why, God, did you do this to, to us? But it's lema. For what? What We have to... We have to introspect. We have to 
self-reflect. So he said, Shema over the Avodah Maybe we have, after the first year of famine, maybe we have idol worshippers amongst us. So they, they looked into it. They couldn't find the idol worshippers. Comes the second year, Shnia. Amar Lahem. King David says, Shema over Maybe we have people who are transgressors, specifically when it comes to sexual immorality. And maybe that's why there's a, a, a famine and a drought. And they couldn't find it either after the second year. Shlishis, the third year, Amr Lehem, he said, Shema What is the, the next concern is that there are people who pledge to give money to charity, but they don't end up giving it. They don't actually give it. That they pledge to give publicly, they say that they're giving, but they don't end up giving it. So there also that they were looking out for this but they couldn't find it also after the third year. So three years of famine. They don't know why there's a famine. So comes King David. He says, You know what? The matter depends on me. I have to look into it myself. I shouldn't have other people search uh, for what's going on amongst the Jewish people. I'm going to look into it myself. I will ask the Urim of Tumim. These were the stones that were on the breastplate of the Kohen Gadol, of the high priest, which was a way of, there was a way of communicating with Hashem through these stones. It was some form of prophecy. And Vayivakish David Espenei Hashem, Hashem asked, sorry, David, King David asked, in front of the presence of Hashem, what is that referring to? Maihi Amar Yishlakish, Shishal Burim Vitumim. He asked the Urim Vitumim. He asked the stones, which uh, they had the different letters of the Hebrew language, and there would be a way in which they would uh, highlight and figure out uh, what Hashem what Hashem wants, and they would ask things from the Urim Tumim to figure out what Hashem wants. My Mashma, how do we know that Pnei in front of the presence of Hashem means the Urim Tumim? Because of a connection of two different verses that use the word Pnei. Amar Rulazar Asa Pnei Pnei. David Pnei Hashem. Here it says that David asked for in, in the presence of Hashem in the Pnei, the face of Hashem, so to speak. Uksiv Hasam. And another verse says, There it also refers to the Urim Betumim, using this way. So what did Hashem say? Hashem responded back, that the reason why there's a famine is for two different reasons. El Sha'ol, that has to do with Sha'ol, which we'll explain what that is in a second. And because you killed the Givonim. What does this mean? El Sha'ol, about Sha'ol. Sha'ol was the king before King David. They did not um, eulogize him properly. He was the king. He was a complicated individual. He uh, chased after David Amalek for many, many years, many times. Um, but he was a complicated, he was a complicated first king. Um, and they didn't, they didn't uh, eulogize him properly once he passed away. And as a result of that, there's a famine. But there's also a second reason. The second reason is for something that Shaul himself did. Shaul himself, he was the king at the time. And what did he do? It says here that he killed the Givonim. Did he actually kill the Givonim? He didn't actually kill the Givonim, these converts who you know, converted through trickery. That's not what happened. Did that really happen? Shaul did kill. He wiped out an entire city of Kohanim. It's a whole separate story. He wiped out an entire city of Kohanim, of priests, having to do with the chase uh, for David, King David. Um, and the, these priests, these Kohanim, they were the ones who supported, financially supported, 
the Givonim, because the Givonim worked for, they were the slaves for the Kohanim in the Mishkan, in the, by the tabernacle. So it says if he killed them, because he essentially wiped out the city that was supporting the Givonim. The Givonim have no more support. They have no more financial support. And so it says if he killed them. That's what Shaul did. And that was the wrong thing to do. It was the wrong thing to do. And uh, it uh, created a Chil Hashem, as we'll see, a desecration of the, of the name of God, of look what happens when a person... When a nation converts, when they enter into the Jewish people, this is how they treat their converts. And it was terrible. And so that's the second reason for the famine. So Katava, the Gemara first asks, what's going on here? How could this be that these are two different, these reasons are opposite reasons. When it comes to Shaol, the first reason is that we weren't maspid him properly. We did not eulogize him properly because it's something positive about Shaol that we didn't do. And the second reason is about something terrible that Shaul did. So how could both of them be the same the same reason for the famine? So the Gemara says, yes, no, in, it could be. The Amar says, No, the verse says that where there is mishpat, where there is justice, where there is punishment because we didn't eulogize uh, because Shaul did something wrong, there we also express his good deeds. So we also express his good deeds, i.e. that he deserves to be eulogized properly. So it's true, we can have both at the same time. We can have a famine uh, because of what Shaul himself did to the Givonim, indirectly to the Givonim, because he, he wiped out the Kohanim, that city for the Kohanim, and therefore the Givonim no longer had support. Uh, so I can mention that. And then at the same time, the famine can be because of something that is really where Shaul deserves praise, where we're supposed to eulogize him, but we failed properly, but we failed to do so. So comes David, and comes David, and he says as follows: Amar David, Shaul nafkaluhu. With regards to the first issue, there's we have no way of really solving this problem. Shaul already passed away. He passed away more than twelve months ago. Once twelve months pass, you can no longer uh, mourn properly and eulogize. Uh, the deceased. So 12 months passed. The truth is, is that way more than 12 months passed. 30 years passed. But his point is, is that as long as 12 months passed, so then low dark illness with it's not normal. It's not proper to eulogize after such a long time, certainly after 30 years. What about the second issue? But when it comes to the Givonim, the Givonim were still around. David was the next king. The Givonim were still around. So let us call them and let us appease them. So David confronts them and he says to them, this is all a quote from Tanakh, from the Tanakh itself, from the, from the Torah, from the Bible, of, uh, of, uh, found within Judges, not within the Chamisha Chamisha Torah, the five books of the Torah, but within, um, within, the, within the Nevi'im, within the Nevi'im, within the prophets. It says... Uh, David goes over to them and says, What do you want? What could we do to make up for, for what happened? The Vayom the Givonim respond as follows. They say, We're not asking for money. That's not what we're asking for. But rather, what we want is that seven descendants of Shaul should be killed. That was, uh, that was their response. They said, We don't want anything else. We don't want money. We lost money. We don't want money. We want revenge. We want revenge against Shaul and to have his grandchildren, seven of his grandchildren killed. Paisinu velo 
Mephaisu. David wouldn't uh, give in. He would try to appease him in other appease the Givonim in other ways. It wouldn't work. They they wouldn't they wouldn't take it. So David says, after going through this whole process, David says the following very important lines here. Amar There are three distinguished character characteristics of the Jewish people of our nation. We are people who are Rahmanim. We are merciful. We are shameful. We get embarrassed. We are people who perform acts of kindness. That is defines who we are to the point where elsewhere it says, and it's found in the Rambam, that if a person does not have these character traits, if a group of people don't have them, we have to question their lineage. It's inherent within us. It's a part of who we are. That we are Rahmanim, Baishanim, and Gomel Chasadim. That we are merciful. We, uh, we, 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 t- we admit our mistakes. We are embarrassed. We're shameful. We admit our mistakes and we care for others. In fact, some of the commentators say that this, these three are really based off our forefathers, Avram, Mitzvah, and Yaakov. Each one represents a different one of these traits and we've inherited those traits. We find this in the Torah. Anybody who has these three, so then they're fit to join into the Jewish people. They could join. But these give onim, the extreme that they're going in to, to require such revenge to kill the grandchildren of Shaul, people who seemingly were innocent. Uh, so that is a lack of, Rashi says, a lack of Rahmanas. It's a lack of mercy. They don't have mercy. The Rambam says they don't have any of these three. They, they are not embarrassed. They're brazen. They don't have acts of chesed. They don't have any of them. So at that time, right at that time, David Amalekh, King David, he decided that they cannot marry the Kahal Hashem into the congregation of Hashem. These people are people who do not have the traits of the Jewish people. Basic traits of being merciful, of admitting to your mistakes, being shameful, and of caring for others. Of doing gemilot. Chasadim. But the story continues, and David, he, he gives in because uh, this is what they asked for. So David Melch, he takes the grandchildren, he takes seven of his grandchildren. How do we know those were the seven, specifically those seven? How did, how did he pick seven out of the different grandchildren that Shaul had? <laughs> How do you pick which seven deserve death? So the Gemara says, no. How did it work? Amar of Huna Havir Mufne Aron Kolsh Aron Koto Lemisa Kolshain Aron Koto Lachaim. They passed them in front of the Aron, in front of the Aron, which was found in the Mishkan. The Aron housed the Luchos, the tablets, and the people would pass by, the grandchildren would pass by, anybody who would be forced to stop, that Hashem forced them to stop, so that means they were deserving to be part of the seven. And if not, so then they would be for life. The story continues. Mesev Ravchana bar Katina Vayachmol HaMelech HaMephiboshes Ben Yehonasan Ben Shal Shalohe Viru The king, David HaMelech, he had um, pity on one of the grandchildren, on Mephiboshes, and he didn't pass him through. Is it really possible that he didn't pass him through? He And King David, he's going to have favoritism here. He's going to make sure that one of the grandchildren that um, was really his Rebbe, was somebody who he looked up to. He 
he he's going to let him get by? How can he do such a thing? We don't have favoritism. El Shaviru, rather the Gemara says, Uklato. First, the Gemara wants to suggest, you know what, really, he passed through. He was stopped when he passed by the Aron, by the, by the, by the box that contained the Luchos, uh, that has the Luchos. He got stopped, and David, all of a sudden, he prayed to Hashem, and then he was able to go. He was able to continue walking. But still, but that still is also a form of showing favoritism. Rather, David originally prayed. He davened that Mephibosheth, this grandchild, would not be forced to stop in front of the Aaron. We, we wouldn't have that. He'd be able to go through, and that's exactly what happened. So it wasn't a, a sign of favoritism. This is what King David, he prayed for this, and nobody saw anything different. He passed through just like any of the other grandchildren. Nothing different applied to this Mephibosheth than any of the other grandchildren. He passed through, he never stopped, and therefore he was able to live. Uh, the Gemara continues, Vaksiv, Lo yumsu avos al banim. The Gemara asks that how could the grandchildren die for the sin of the father, of the grandfather? This is a sin of Shaul. How could we let the grandchildren die? So Amr, very important line here, Amr b'chiyah bar Abba, Amr b'chiyah bar Abba, Amr b'chiyah bar Abba, Amr b'chiyah bar Better to uproot one of the letters in the Torah, one commandment in the Torah, uh, rather than uh, rather than cause a chilal Hashem, a desecration of the name of God in public. This was a desecration of the name of God to see how we, how we dealt with the converts and that we basically removed their financial support for them working. Uh, this created, created a significant chilal Hashem, desecration of the name of God. And so therefore, it was, we are allowed to kill them as a result of this. Now it's important to note, very important to note, that the Ritz and other commentators point out that this was with the approval of God. This was not their own decision. God clearly decided this. He had them stop in front of the Aron. There was this massive miracle where the seven stopped in front of the Aron. But even more than that, says the Ritva. The Ritva says that these were seven people. It's true. The Beisdin, the, the courts have the right, if it's, if it's necessary, to go above and beyond the strict letter of the law and to decide on their own at times that uh, we have to punish somebody who uh, wouldn't really be deserving of punishment in order to change something. So he, in this case, to remove the Chal Hashem, the desecration of the name of God. But says the Ritva, that the truth is, is that these seven were actually deserving of death. We just didn't know it. We didn't know it, but they were really deserving of death for something else that they've done. And so Hashem picked those seven because they were really deserving of death for something else. The story continues, Vatikach Ritzba Bas Aya Sasak uh, the truth is, the story continues and says that not only did, were they killed, but they were hung all the way until the winter. They, were, they, they kept them there. They kept the bodies there for a long time for everybody to see, which goes against the Torah. The Torah says that you have to bury them right away. How could they do this? asks the Gemara. How could they let the bodies there unburied for a significant amount of time? So similarly, the Gemara says, Amr Rabbi Yochan, Rabbi Shimon, Ben Yotzadak, Rabbi Shimon Ben Yotzadak says, Mutav Sheteyakar Ozachas Menat Torah B'Skadi Hashem Shemayim B'Ferhese. Here it says, we'll uproot one letter from the Torah, we will say that it's, we will, we will violate in, the, in essence this law that says you have to bury right away in order to make a Kiddush Hashem, in order to allow for a Kiddush Hashem to sanctify the name of God in public. To sanctify the name of God in public, this was allowed. Why? What happened? Uh, 
People would pass by and they would see the grandchildren of the previous king of King Shaul hung. Why? Because of what the Jewish people did to converts, what Shaul did to the, to the converts, to the Givonim, who actually converted through trickery. It wasn't really, uh, potentially wasn't a real uh, full-fledged conversion. Um, and it was done through trickery. And people will pass by and will say, what kind, look how beautiful this nation is. What they do to their own, the descendants of their own king in order to show that they, that they apologize for the big mistake that they made to the converts. And if this is what they do, so then certainly there's a nation that we should all connect to. That uh, this is then the way they treat, if this is how they treat people, so then they'll treat the regular people, the regular Jewish people that way, people who were born Jewish. And certainly this is also, and this is, you know, this is how they treated converts who converted through trickery. So it's certainly people who converted through sincerity and for the right reasons, the, the, these people will treat them certainly properly and appropriately. And what happened? Miyad, we'll end with this. Suddenly, 150,000 people converted to the Jewish people as a result of this story. Uh, it says that they, they, they had converts come and they and they converted 150,000 of them. They quote a verse. Maybe these were actually Jewish people, born Jewish. And the Gemara says that no, um, it cannot be because they, these people were, were made into working for Shlomo and it can't be somebody who's born Jewish. In essence, there were 150,000 people who converted at the time of Shlomo. Even though we've seen in the past that nobody was allowed to convert during the days of David and Shlomo because they would have had ulterior motives because that was a time when the Jewish people were really uh, successful and people were converting for the wrong reasons. But over here, explains the Ritva, they, they, they saw the Kiddush Hashem, the sanctification of, 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 of God, and it was clear that they're doing it for the right reasons. They're doing it because of a, this is a just nation, a nation that punishes those that are deserving of punishment, even if it's the, uh, even if it has to do with the king himself, and for for people who converted for the wrong reasons, people who converted and they did it out of trickery, and so therefore they saw this and they did it out of. It was clear that these one hundred fifty thousand people converted uh, out of uh, out of sincerity and really a desire to get close to the Jewish people. Very fascinating story, and we'll continue with the Gemara in the next recording.